Good morning. Thank you for being here and thank you for being out there. And um, if you're more than 25 miles from here, I'm so glad that you could be with us <laughs> online. And if you're closer than 25 miles, I want to get your guilt go going so that next Sunday you'll be here in person. You miss so much by not being here and being with these wonderful people who are here. But I was telling somebody at the beginning of our gathering, I really am so grateful for the fact that we are able to do these live streams both as a class and as a, as a church because it saved us. When COVID hit, it saved us. Uh, right before COVID, some of you don't know this story, but right before COVID, two things happened to St. Paul's that were uh, critically important. One is that Tommy Williams had hired a woman to do development, and she persuaded a large number of uh, regular members at St. Paul's to switch their giving to online regular contributions. That was one thing. And then somebody who used to attend this class gave a, a, a lot of money. Um, I'm planting seeds now <laughs> for the rest of you. Gave a lot of money that enabled us to uh, upgrade the equipment and the fiber and the cable and all that sort of stuff that enable uh, both St. Paul's and Ordinary Life to do the live streaming that we do. And if you notice, there are three people back there who are working the system. They're not volunteers. They're paid to do this and, and, uh, because it's a job. And, um, and so that's why it goes out so effortlessly. And on usually by Tuesday morning, <clears throat> this class is on YouTube. So you can watch it later if you're um, in a bad mood and need lifting. <laughs> Or in a good mood and need bringing down. <laughs> so um, let's begin in silence as we do. Just do what's necessary to be here, to be present. May grace be in our heads and in our thinking. May grace be in our eyes and in our seeing. May grace be in our ears and in our hearing. May grace be in our mouths and in our speaking. May grace be in our hearts and in our understanding. And grace may, may grace be in our ends and at our departing. Amen. So these times are uh, to contribute to our uh, growing in our evolving awareness of that reality we mean when we use the word God, what we mean when we use the word self, and growing in our awareness about how we can see other people and relate to them as if they were us, because in fact they are, and no matter who you are, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you You're are welcome. celebrated here. Uh, before introducing today's class. I want to do two things, uh, maybe more than that. 
I want to first of all clear up a misconception that I gave last Sunday. We were operating on the information that we had and I told you that Terry Thompson, who had been a minister on the staff here for 30 years, ended up being minister of pastoral care, very beloved by the people who are part of the St. Paul's community. This time last Sunday was in ICU at Methodist and we thought because we got misinformation that he had had an allergic reaction to Paxlovid. Two things, Terry wanted me to communicate. One, that was not true. So that um, because COVID is not gone and is coming back and if you get it and get a chance to get Paxlovid, take it. I have taken it, sure you've taken it, it worked and it was really, really helpful. Uh, so Terry wanted me to come, saw, uh, clear that up. He uh, got out of ICU on Monday, I think, and is now back at home, and he's doing well, and hi, Terry, he wanted me to communicate that. The second thing I'm not sure I can do without just breaking out and bawling, but I wish you had been with me on Friday at noon. I attended the dissertation defense of Holly Hudley. And uh, folks, it was spectacular. She did the most amazing job in defending her dissertation. And um, she took about an hour, a little over an hour to do that. It was just I, it was recorded. I'm sure the university in California has the rights to the recording. Whether we will ever get a chance to see that or not, I don't know. But it was just stunning. And the committee, the doctoral dissertation committee, went away for the 15 minutes that they did. And all of us who were there were saying, you know, chit-chatting and so forth. And then the chairman of the committee came back and he said, well, Holly, or should I say Dr. Hudley? Yeah, it was just, I mean, their words do not express. And that was true for everybody who was there. There was a great day of celebration, and I'm so proud and pleased of Holly. She did just such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful job. And uh, Again, I hope we get to see that. So another thing, uh, the contract with Suzanne Stabile is signed. She will be here the last full weekend. It's actually, it's the 1st of October that she will be here. She'll be here on an all-day Saturday. She will be here on a Sunday morning, and she will preach both services, and she will teach this class. Wow. Um, let me tell you two things, and I'll put her picture in that date up in a minute. For those of you who are not aware of it, this is a social action magazine called Sojourners. You can take a picture of this in a minute. i put something else on the board. We just talked about you. Holly is just coming in. I, Holly, I told people that we all just broke out in sobs after seeing you. And, and, and I asked, I know it was recorded, is there a chance that anybody else can ever get to see that? If I choose to let 
<laughs> and it's what? If you choose. All right, I hope you do. It was it was magnificent. I just it just anyway. So, Dr. Hudley, thank you. Well, so, welcome. So, so you're a fit. You are officially brighter than you look. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is Sojourners Magazine, Social Action Magazine. Um, I subscribe to this. Uh, like all print publications, it's kind of uneven, but it's something that you could be familiar with, and you might notice that on the cover there's the Enneagram diagram. The article, the issue is devoted to the Enneagram as a tool of social action. And uh, again, I will mention this book, The Enneagram Made Easy. It's a book that you could give to adolescents. Uh, it's not dumbed down that help you find your number. And what Suzanne Stabile is going to be talking to us about is about the Enneagram and relationships. That's so, good. Yeah. So I'll put that back up. All right. So I uh, preached the 830 service today, and during the passing of the peace, I asked Dr. McDonald if I still had a job. And he said, who, you or me? <laughs> I get kind of edgy. I know it. I know you do. Yeah. Go from the deep end of the pool. Yeah. But anyway, because that's such an effort to prepare for and to do, I thought, well, we will do what is my least favorite thing to do, and that is wing it. We will do that. And so I asked my really 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 dear friend oh, thank you i love you we've been friends for 50 years actually it's 42 but it just seems like i, ex I exaggerate <laughs> I, I mentioned in the sermon that it's right. ministerial exaggeration right. most I, people call lying because because I'm, I'm i met you immediately after i met rob okay and you were the first person to have us over to dinner at your apartment out on south Braisewood. yeah you remember that yeah 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 I do. I got a picture of us that you took. And I performed, uh, Rob Landis is sitting on the front row, I performed your wedding. You did, on September. When it was illegal. Yep. <laughs> and that, I mean, it was illegal in Massachusetts, right. but anyway. Yeah, that was on September the 4th, 2010. And that was uh, like the Labor Day weekend. And Rob and I went up, uh, had decided, I'd ask him to marry me. And I was, at first I'd talked to him about it and he wasn't too sure about the whole thing, but we ended up, we ended up on top of the uh, statue, uh, uh, the um, Eiffel Tower. And we were up there and I looked over at him and I said, Rob, will you marry me? And he looked down and he looked up and he said, yes, of course I'll marry you. <laughs> so, so we did, we made plans to do that. And we decided to go to uh, Boston because it would be the easy place to do and it was legal. We had first thought about going to um, uh, New York, and when we told people we were going to get married, people started inviting themselves to come to our wedding. <laughs> Bill and Sherry were the first ones to say, well, we're going to go there. We're going to be there. I'm going. Yeah. Our friends Hank and Catherine Coleman said, well, we're going. He said, okay. Uh, a couple that I worked with at MD Anderson, Laura uh, Walter Broussard and her husband, they said, well, we're coming. Our friends Wade and Andrea Quinn said, we're coming. 
And my sister, of course, said, well, I'm going to come too. So we had quite a group up there, and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. It was the nice. weather was great. We got to do tourist things, tour JFK. And we were there for several days. And I remember saying to those who were assembled there, I went to Harvard, so I'll take you around Harvard. So we all got on the train at Jamaica Plains. Yeah. Right? And it, doesn't the Kingston Trio have a song about Jamaica Plains, a guy who couldn't get off the MT, MTA? Is that what it was called? And his wife handed him a sandwich. He couldn't get off because they raised the fares. And his wife handed him a sandwich at Jamaica Plains, I think. I think <laughs> make him make that up. Anyway, it I volu- sounds good. Huh? It sounds good. Yeah. And, and I volunteered to take everybody to Harvard and take them around. And so we went to Harvard Square, got up, got off the train, and went in the big gates that I remember. And I could not find my way anywhere. <laughs> because it had been 25 years. And if Harvard campus had changed as much in 25 years as Rice campus has changed in 25 years, no wonder. But we did manage to find ourselves around. It was the first week in when the semester was beginning, and we went to by the church and saw that Peter Gomes is going to be preaching the next Sunday. Peter Gomes is a preacher who was there at Harvard Church when I was there. So I said, let's go to church. So the wedding was Saturday. Mm-hmm. Saturday night had a big dinner and party. The next day, those of us who were still able <laughs> got up and got on the train and went back to church at Harvard. And yeah, it was wonderful. It was. And we got blessed by him. Yeah. We sure did. And like uh, two months later, he died. Yeah. And he was a courageous, great leader, African-American gay leader at Harvard. And Harvard was just coming out around the homosexual issue. Peter Gomes took a stand and took a lot of hits for that, mm-hmm. but he was a hero. But that was a very special day, and I had told you about a book that I have called If, and it's got all kinds of questions in it. If you could be this way, if you could repeat a day of your life. And one of the questions that I really liked was if you could live one day in your life over exactly as it was, it would be September the 4th, 2010, surrounded by people that loved us in ways that I didn't know they loved us. And it was so nice. And Rob got into the whole thing. He really enjoyed uh, planning the uh, reception, the meals. (laughs) He decided getting married was a good thing to do. And we had everybody up there that meant a lot to us. And his very closest friend, uh, Catherine Coleman, decided uh, she would be your best woman. And my friend Wade Quinn decided he was going to be my best man. I decided he would be that. So we had two people that we love the most up there standing up with us. And for me, it felt so good to be acknowledged. I, I know we had been together for a long time, and a lot of people knew it. But for me, it was important that there be a record of us. You know, years from now, people can find that we got married. And we went before the judge to get our license, and she just said, Good luck, <laughs> you know. Good luck to you guys. Best wishes. But it, it felt good to me to be acknowledged, and that was the most important thing about it. And the fact that he can't get away from me very easily right now helps <laughs> a whole lot. But uh, our times together have been wonderful. I've been blessed beyond belief to have you as my spouse, uh, my husband, my legal husband. Okay. That fits with the Pride Month, didn't it? I didn't even plan that. 
So anyway, um, so I hate this video. I hate this kind of thing. Holly encourages me a lot. I said, oh, let's just, let's just doing it. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I said, I'm not good at it. I, I'll give you an example. Last Sunday, uh, we had the Pride Picnic in this room. Mm -hmm. And this class had the largest representation of any grouping in the church. And we yeah. got a, an award for that. Yeah. And your teacher, and I'm not showing a picture of this, got an award as the best dressed. Right? You did. You did. You did. It was pitiful. I mean, it was lovely. It was a lovely outfit. It really was. I see why he wears it only on that day or maybe Halloween. What? Do you wear that outfit on Halloween too? Or no, I wear something worse. Oh, well, no. But it is, it, yeah, 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 he won and he should have won. For those of you who weren't and here. And so then they it. said speech and so I got up and said, I said, um, I didn't wear this during church because I didn't want to blind Dr. McDonald during the sermon. You know, it's a stupid thing to say. And three hours later, I thought, man, I wish I had said how grateful I am that we can do something like this, that we're in a church where we can do that, how grateful I am that inclusivity is such a huge important issue for this church and for this class, and that we are clear about that and about our identity and how grateful I am for that and all that sort of stuff. And instead I made some stupid, cute, I thought, remark. And that's probably what I'm gonna do today. Uh-huh, yeah, well, all the time. We do Pilates together. Are you taking that away from me? They don't want you to misbehave with that anymore. We, we do Pilates together, Sherry and Bill and I, on, Tuesday, on Mondays and Thursdays. And it is so much fun. All of you need to come to that Pilates class. You would have a great time. He is so much fun. And really enjoy spending that time with you. We do share. Pilates twice a week uh -huh. on Mondays and Thursdays, and on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Fridays and Saturdays, I can barely walk. I know it. I know. It. And and he, he and I bicker and complain about it. Uh, do you remember the uh, two old geezers on Sesame Street? <laughs> oh yeah, yay! I wondered what you were up to. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. Nobody could top that. Nobody. <laughs> but anyway, we have so much fun doing that. Come do that with us sometimes. Uh, but the two of us tend to complain and gripe a lot. And as I was going to say, the two old geezers on Sesame Street, remember, that, that sit and complain all the Thank time? You. That's the two of us. So we complain, but we do it. And Sherry never says a word she just does it and just beautifully and we say how do you do that how do you get in the shape you do and she, she just kind of rolls her eyes at us every now and then and goes oh <laughs> but she comes and we have a good time and she is as a lot of you know she had hurt her arm not too long ago and she's really moving it she's doing very very well and it's good to see her do that come back to herself Okay, so anyway, we thought, okay, so I won't write anything much. I got a few notes in case I screw up, get terrified. Right. Okay. And uh, you would just, and we ask people to ask questions, and people today can ask questions mm -hmm. if they want to, and you will answer them. Well, I'm going to start with the question that was submitted 
by Rob Landis. Oh gosh. I think it's a wonderful question. And he wants to ask of you, if you could choose one person from the Bible to take out to lunch, what would you order? <laughs> well, I would order lamb. I know you would. I would order <laughs> lamb. And off the top of my head, I think it would be Judas. Judas. Mm -hmm. I have a t-shirt that says, what would Judas do? <laughs> and I think Judas is misunderstood. And um, if you're going to preach a gospel of love and inclusion and forgiveness, Judas got to be in there somewhere. All right. And so there is a story about uh, Judas in the afterlife seeing this gleam of light up up, 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 and this is a story that's not literally true. And Judas climbs and climbs and climbs and sits down, climbs and climbs and sits down. Finally, he makes it to the light and works his way through the opening, and he's back in the upper room. And Jesus is sitting there at the table with the other disciples, and Jesus looks at Judas and says, Thank goodness you're here. We couldn't start without you. That's nice. That's nice. So I think that would be it. Mm -hmm. Either that or... I know Jesus would be a little intimidating, but I would like to know how he did that water to wine right. trick. And see, that's what you—that's what you would eat with bread and wine. Yeah, and that, that yeah. would limit your your uh, yeah. menu. They had lamb. Did they have lamb? Of course, of course they, they did. did. They it always a, have lamb. It was a seder meal. You have roast lamb at seder. Okay. See, I didn't know that. All I heard was this. You stick with me. You'll learn some. I stuff. hope so. Okay. I hope so. I grew up Lutheran, and we were pretty like that. So I, those questions are intriguing about if you could, you know, go out to dinner with anybody living or dead, who would you pick? I would pick somebody living. Mm -hmm. That would help. To start with. Right. To, to, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, dead's kind of one-sided conversation. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got some questions here that were presented to me, and so I'm just going to ask the very first one. What is the best sandwich, in your opinion? BLT. BLT? That's your favorite one. On toast. Good. Good. With mayonnaise. Uh-huh. That's exactly what I would have done, too, mm -hmm. when I was eating bacon and stuff. My favorite sandwich for years, and it was, it was just in stone. Rob, of course, was at St. Luke's, and every Saturday, every Wednesday night, they had choir. And so on every Wednesday night, I would stop by Whataburger, and when I'd walk in the front door, the man behind the counter would say, drop two, well done. I wanted a double meat with cheese, well done, mayonnaise, no mustard, um, extra onions. I wanted fries with no salt. That means they'll go ahead and start a new batch. And so you'll get them hot and fresh and crispy. And there's enough salt in the tray to uh, salt the french fries. And I'd get a large chocolate shake light on the chocolate. And I would take it home. I would eat the french fries on the way home. I was, this is an OCD thing about me. I would um, eat the french fries on the way home, and I would get home and I'd put the, uh, the shake in the freezer. I would put my hamburger on a plate, cut it in force, put it in the microwave for one minute, and then I would eat it in layers. <laughs> layers? In layers. I'd eat bread, uh, vegetables. You eat the sandwich as a piece. Not me, not a Whataburger. That's just what I did. And I haven't had one since I quit eating beef and pork in years, but still, 
that would be my favorite sandwich. I, it was just a wonderful time at home to just relish in that. And see, Rob would do like you. He would look at me if I was eating like that. He'd say, what's the matter with you? How can you eat a sandwich like that? Which makes sense. Most people wouldn't do that. Well, most people know that I do all the menu planning, cooking, and mm -hmm. our in our arrangement in our family have ever since we've been married mm -hmm. and and I will tell you that if it weren't a BLT the best sandwich that I make is what I call the grown-up a what grown-up okay adult meaning grilled cheese sandwich and it's a pain to make because it has two kinds of cheese aged cheddar and brie and you put it in a food processor along with a whole um, I can't think of the, uh, the. it's like a garlic, it's not a garlic. Shallot. Put in a whole shallot and a, a little bit of white wine and you blend that up. And then you put it on bread that has been buttered and then has a mixture of mayonnaise and mustard on it. And spread that stuff on it and put it in a skillet and cook it. Mm -hmm. It's so... Good. And you were inviting us over when? I'm not making it tonight. Tonight I'm having um, um, sheet pan shrimp with white beans and uh, toasted bread. Uh -huh. Did you see how he ignored that question? He, he, he didn't answer. He didn't say yes, he didn't say no. <laughs> You're good. What is the one thing you own that you should really throw out? <laughs> I don't know who's, who did it, but. <laughs> well, we got to tell the backstory. Uh, Holly is a, a polymath and she's an artist and she's a decorator and she's a dear friend. And so when Sherry and I relocated our home of 40 years to uh, high rise, Holly, I asked Holly if she would serve as our decorator, and she did, and we got the stuff moved in. And so Holly knows everything that we own. And <laughs> from the very beginning of walking into our house when we lived in West U, she walked in and looked at a certain piece of furniture and said, that's got to go. <laughs> and, right? No. Yeah, I mean, just telling the truth. I mean... I don't know what you would say. I have a lot that need to go. Probably I've got too many kaleidoscopes, too many magic tricks. I, the one thing that I own that ought to go, um, nothing. Nothing. No, I don't want to throw anything away. Right, right. You did all you could do in this move. You're keeping everything else. I want to. Yeah. You've, yeah. got, you've got lots we of We just got rid of a huge piece of furniture last week. Oh. So. Uh, uh, what? Get rid of it. He didn't get rid of it. He did what? No. Oh, did you store it? What? That piece of furniture? Okay. He said you, she said you stored it. I stored it. Uh -huh. Well, you never tell you might need it. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> And I, I was at his house yesterday, and he walked me downstairs to show me the recreation area. And he said, down that hall, he said, that's where my storage unit is. And he said it with great glee. <laughs> Glad to have all that. 
So, what is your favorite thing to do with your free time? Um, with my free time, my favorite thing to do is probably play with my magic, cook, be with Sherry. Um, uh, that's it. Yeah. I love to play with my magic. Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's good. That's good. What do I like to do with my free time? I like to spend time with you, have a lot of fun with you. It's good to be home. We have our our um, schedules, you know, and, and the, the places we sit. He sits here, I sit here, one dog here, one dog there. Everybody gets to their place, we sit, and it's wonderful. You know, it just feels comfortable to be at home with somebody you love. And so we go out to eat, he cooks, he bakes cookies like a maniac, so I'm always eating cookies. He uh, bakes every other day, and um, the other thing I want to say that's so wonderful about him is that he loves to bake, he loves to package them up, give them to people, and he loves to clean up the kitchen after it's done. Yeah, it's wonderful, isn't it? And he said, he's told me, he said, if you don't know where it goes, don't put it up. Just leave it out, because I'll put it in the nearest drawer. That makes any sense. So let me ask you a question. Yes. You've been coming to Ordinary Life for a long time. Mm -hmm. What's the most important thing you've learned in the time you've been coming? You have washed, my brain has been washed a bit. That's what I've learned is that um, I went to a parochial school from the time I was in kindergarten through the eighth grade and it was very restrictive and very small and it was very Lutheran and it was very regimented. In the first grade there was a lady there named Miss Wunderlich who was German and she had a, a razor strap that she called the little brown gentleman. And so I can tell you, I know my phonics today. I know that. She drilled that into us. But you know, you had to get that kind of stuff. And it was religion, very restrict. You know, God's taking, uh, he's checking out what you're doing and writing it down. And you've got to pray to get forgiven about it. And I was scared of that God. Sure. And the good news is I got away from Miss Wonderlick in the first grade, but guess who I had in the second grade? her older sister, Miss Wunderlich. <laughs> Two little old German ladies who were both teachers at that school. And they would show these uh, uh, films of the crucifixion. And it was in black and white. And I didn't know they filmed that. I know, I know, but yeah, I wish they had. But of what they perceived at it, and they would show that to us and I'd just sit there and go, oh my God, this is horrible. And the, one of the teachers stood up in, at, at a podium and said, every time you sin, God's writing it down. Everything you do. And the only way you get it done is if you pray. And I thought, what if I die? And I couldn't pray. You know, what if I forget one? And I, you know, it was just a scary kind of thing. And it, it was terrible. And then I would go home and see my parents living a different lifestyle. and. Just, smoking and drinking and having fun and telling jokes with their friends and all that stuff. And I thought, well, they're going to go to hell, you know. <laughs> you know, it's just a weird thing. And all that stuff has been washed out from me by coming here. Great. It's, I see uh, uh, sacred mystery, grace, whatever you call it or whatever I call it, as something that lives within everyone in here and between us. We're connected. We're connected with others, and that it's, it's totally different. 
I even see my little dog. I talk to her sometimes and I tell her that she is a little spirit and that she's a little piece of God. And I said, and you come from someplace special and you'll go someplace special. And she just looks at me and she just <laughs> believes it. And then she looks over at the treat jar. But nevertheless, it, it's changed Great. a lot of, of what I feel. What's the scariest animal? Hey. Wow. You know, we live near the zoo. I went there the other day and I did the reptile cage. Mm -hmm. And I think most a lot of reptiles are pretty scary. They are. I saw a, a lizard that was standing up telling jokes. Did you? I didn't ask about it. And the guy said, oh, well, that's not a lizard. That's a stand-up chameleon. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't help myself. It's a condition I know I have. it. I know it. I, I think really um, scariest would be an alligator for yeah. me, walking along, you know. And they can grab you. They're right. fat. <clears throat> you know, when I read this, I thought about it, <clears throat> and I was trying to think what the scariest animal was, and then it popped into my head that it's humans in a way. That can be pretty scary. Oh, wow, that's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we can be pretty, we are. pretty treacherous at times. And you don't necessarily think so. You know, it's not like an alligator. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't run into alligators very often. Mm -hmm. Do you? No, I don't. <laughs> Has anybody ever, oh, it's right here. Apples or oranges, which do you prefer? Apples. Do you? Of course, honey crisp. Yes, me too. Yeah, me too. with white cheddar cheese. Oh, and I don't do them with cheese. I just eat them. Just apples. Yeah, but yeah. apple. I love a Honeycrisp apple. And they've gotten so expensive, but they're still good. Yeah, they are good. They're, they're, I they're eat two good. a week. Do you? Uh, whenever I eat an apple, I think of, of Rob's parents, who every Sunday night, they had for dinner popcorn and apples for years. That's a weird combination. But they'd have, a, they'd have a big lunch, but that night they'd eat light. They'd eat a little popcorn and apples. I think it's pretty good. I think of them. And, and you I ever had popcorn now? I don't eat popcorn very much except Boom Chicka Pop. Have any of you had that? It's crack. <laughs> Once you start, you cannot stop. So if you haven't had it, don't go that direction. You know what, what I'm talking what, about. Just regular popcorn? It's Boom Chicka Pop, and it comes in a purple bag, a kind of a uh, light purple lavender Has bag. it already been popped? Mm-hmm. Where do you get it? Oh, well, you can get the big bags at Costco, but you can find the little ones at the grocery store. I'll go this afternoon. Oh, call me when you want a big one and I'll get you a, okay. uh, a bag at, at uh, Costco. Um, have you ever asked anybody for their autograph? Um, Robert Bella. Who is that? Robert Bellow was a sociologist who wrote a book about uh, Beyond Belief. He's the man from whom I learned the phrase civil religion. Okay. And I was in New England sometime, maybe around when I was at Harvard, I don't know, went to hear him speak and just badgered him until he agreed to go out and have drinks with me and I asked him for an autograph. Hmm. I did. He's a great human being and great, very, very smart man. Do you still have it? I do. Good. Yeah. Where do you I that? wanted Neil Diamond's autograph, but I couldn't get you it. You wanted what? Neil Diamond's autograph. Oh. I'm of that generation where we like Neil Diamond. I know. I know you do. Yeah, you were obsessed with him. Yeah, I think about when I hear him, I think of you. Okay. Yeah, because you love him so much. 
Um, I got Dolly Parton's autograph. Really? Yes, I did. I, tra I tracked her down until I could get her. She was in a, appearing in Austin, Texas at the Paramount Theater. And it was uh, early when she was just starting to hit over with a little bit. It was New Harvest First Gathering, her big album that, 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 that put her over the top. And she played there, and my friend Suzanne Rittenberry and I went to watch her. And after it was over, we stayed after the stage, after the, by the stage, and we went to uh, see if we could run into her. And she was already gone. And we were so disappointed, but I put my ear to the ground, and I found out where they were staying. So we hopped in the car and we drove out South Austin and we found the hotel where she was and she managed to find out what room she was in. We went upstairs there and we knocked on the door and I said, hi, we're here. We want to see Dolly and we want to get her autograph. And they said, well, Dolly doesn't stay here. You know, she's not going to stay in this hotel. She stays someplace else. And we thought, damn. So we walked, I mean, shoot. Um, <laughs> We uh, walked back to the elevator and we pushed the button and the door opened and there was Dolly Parton. And we screamed, we love you. And she said, we, I love you too. And she autographed my uh, program and I keep it in, the, in my desk and I can lay my hands on it anytime and I often show it to people and bore them with this story, but it's, it, it's fun. I love Dolly. Did you know that Dolly Parton is sending free books to kids in California? Mm -hmm. That's such a great statement, and I'm not going to tell this story, but if people want to, they can go home and look on YouTube and Google, Dolly Parton tells the story about the hog that drank gasoline on The Tonight Show. It's priceless. Uh -huh. It's really great. She sends books out every place. That's her big thing. She put okay. lots of money to books. Well, and, our and schools, our public schools need books. Right, they do. Yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing with, with I hope they don't. her okay. kindness. What's your favorite movie? Um, this is going to sound so sappy. Uh, it's the the movie, the Christmas movie with Jimmy Stewart, right. where Clarence, Clarence gets his wings. Yeah. 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 For a couple of reasons, I, I don't go public about this often. But Clarence is my middle name, which I hate. And I like it better since I found out, uh, I asked my mother when we were, I was doing a lot of family therapy stuff back then, if I had been a, um, a girl, what would I have been named? And um, because I was a peace offering in the family, I was named after my two paternal grandparents and paternal, gran maternal gran and paternal grandparents. Uh, so my first name is after one grandparent, middle name is after the other. As this peace offering, look at what I do to make a living. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I asked my mother, uh, what would I have been named if I'd been a girl? And she told me that story, and she said, well, I guess if you'd been a girl, you would have been named after my mother. I said, oh, what was her name? And she said, Clementine. Oh, good. And I like Clarence a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because they called her Clemmy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clemmy and Edna, so I think I do. Yeah, Clementine Edna? Edna was my other grandmother's name. Okay. She's the meanest woman God ever met. Well, she? <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I'm dead serious about that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you got to tell the truth well, it's true. in church. It's you know? true. you got to do that. Uh, let's see. My favorite movie... Um, 
E.T., every time I watch that, I get teary-eyed. E.T., the extraterrestrial. Okay. Yeah. I love that movie, too. Oh, I just loved it from the minute I saw it. Every time I watch it, I get teary-eyed. It's just so sweet and gentle and wonderful, and when they take off and that music soars, it just gets, gets me every time. Yeah. You, too, doesn't it? I know. I know. Yeah. I saw an interview with with. with uh, What's your favorite movie? Whatever happened to Baby Jane. Oh, I oh yes, oh yes. What is it? Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Oh. <laughs> is it like saying your favorite movie is The Exorcist? Yeah. He uh, when I first met him, he did have that on uh, video, and so he would watch it. He would pull it out and. If you ever get a chance to watch that movie with Rob, it's fun because he will spit the dialogue out before they do. He knows every word of that dialogue. He knows every scene that's going to happen. Now that one's going to come through the door. That's a Betty Davis film, right? Uh-huh, and yeah. Joan Crawford. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's obsessed with it. We need to watch that again. Or maybe you could just recite it for me, <laughs> which might be easier. What living person do you most admire? Um, probably Barack Obama. Mm. I think because he's so heroic, he's smart, he's uh, um, got a really good mind and thinks well on his feet. Um, I just, I think he did this country a great service mm -hmm. at a great price. Um, but I think that's the first person that pops in my mind. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I thought about that, um, uh, you. Yeah, you. I admire you. I think you're an amazing man. I think there's so much about you that people don't know that, you know. Well, tell us. He's a, he's. No, every, don't. I was kidding. Everybody knows him as a musician but to me that's the least of the special things about him he's he's kind he's loving he's thoughtful he writes notes to people all the time he likes to connect with people spiritually with a note and why he likes to write notes and why he likes to get them is because he likes the dna the touch of it to send it to somebody he bakes cakes and cookies and gives them away to people he thinks about people all the time. He's kind and loving and uh, to, to everyone he runs into. And he's got the best sense of humor of anybody I've ever known in my life. He's the funniest man I've ever known. Funniest, yeah. yeah, he really is, isn't he? That's really quite a statement to be able to say that your partner is your hero. That's yeah. great, it's, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah, I think yeah. He's, he's, he's exceptional. Yeah. 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 You're lucky gods. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. I like it that you're not asking me any theological questions. Okay. Maybe I'll get to one sometime. Um, what is your most treasured possession? Well, I can't say Sherry because you can't possess a person. She's possessed. <laughs> well, she must have been to get with me. Um...
I don't know how to answer that. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't know that I have a po possession that's my most treasured. I, try not, I don't have one. I don't yeah. think. I, don't I, think I, I can't do. think of one either. I, uh -uh. And uh, when um, uh, I was with uh, Jim Finley, he told a story about a woman that he was seeing for counseling who was primarily there because her mother was in hospice care. And um, her, her mother called all the daughters, who's a large family, Roman Catholic family, so the large family, to her bedside because she knew she was dying and asked the daughter who was in charge of her jewelry to bring her jewelry box uh, to the hospital and so all the daughters gathered around the bedside and the mother sat up in bed and opened this jewelry box and started handing the daughters various pieces of jewelry and said and a brooch to one daughter and said this belonged to your grandmother uh, she always wanted you to have this handed a ring to another daughter another necklace to another daughter and so forth and gave all the jewelry away except one ring that was in the jewelry box and she closed the box, and her daughter said, Well, Mom, there's still a ring in the jewelry box. Well, what are you going to do with that? And she said, I just got that. I'm going to keep it. <laughs> As if. She's just going to keep it. Yeah, keeping nothing. Right? <laughs> so no pockets in a shroud. I don't know. I'm not, I don't think anything. Yeah. If you had to listen to one song, let me talk about that, my tra uh, treasured possession. I can't think of one either. I've got little trinkets that mean a lot to me, little things along the way, mm -hmm. but not one mm -hmm. that I treasure more than other. I immediately thought of, I did think about uh, Rob's mom and dad. I was very close to them. They were wonderful people. And I was a hairstylist for years, and she would come to me, and we'd, you know, we just yak, yak, yak. We just got along so well, and she was so wonderful. And she would uh, sit down and she'd take off her earrings and her glasses and hold on to them, or she'd set them up there, or she'd end up fiddling one and drop one and just end up putting them up there. And um, then after she got there, she'd always put, touch herself up with her lipstick. And that's the three things that I kept from her were her glasses, her earrings, and her lipstick. And I love them. I keep them there, and I know exactly where they are. And uh, so I've got things like that that mean a lot to me. Mm -hmm. I've got a picture of my mother that means a whole lot to me. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. You know, I collect kaleidoscopes. I did I until they got so uh, outrageous. Holly and her son were over at uh, our, our home um, last week, right, and, and um, Cole was getting me showing magic tricks and various things, and so I have this collection of kaleidoscopes, and we'd gotten this piece of furniture that we were moving kaleidoscopes to, and um, one reason that I quit purchasing kaleidoscopes is that the ones that I really would like are just absolutely out of my price range. I mean, uh, if you go on a website called Nellie Bly, N-E-L-L-I-E-B-O-Y, Scopes and 
uh, Jerome, Arizona, that's uh, one source of really great collector kaleidoscopes in the United States. She has a kaleidoscope in her store for $86,000. Oh. So kaleidoscopes are, and many of the kaleidoscopes that I have, I'm not going to tell you what I paid for them, but they are signed, numbered, copyrighted pieces of art. And when we got married in October of a long time ago, Sherry gave me for Christmas of, in Christmas of 1983, a kaleidoscope um, made by, I'm forgetting the brand name of the kaleidoscope, they did really outstanding optical works people who made this kaleidoscope. And at the time, she paid $1,000 for it. This is 1983. It's uh, one of a hundred such made kaleidoscopes. There are no more, so you can't get them. And I looked on a pricing site the other day, and it's out of sight. But I wouldn't say that it's my most precious possession. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but if it were gone tomorrow, I probably wouldn't know. You know, because I don't pick it up every day and look at it and that sort of thing. I'd miss my wedding ring because mm -hmm. she had that made special and there's a special story behind it. Um, it's irreplaceable, mm -hmm. but I try not to lose it. What? The story? Behind the wedding ring? No, uh, Holly and, and her son. You mentioned her son came. You mentioned that her son came over. Yeah. And I, I just picked out that kaleidoscope. It's eighty-six thousand dollars. Said Holly, you should buy this for gold. Oh. Oh. And she said it's either this or college education. What do you? Uh, right. Well, now that you're a doctor, you can make lots of money and buy it for him. Oh well. Well. <laughs> he is the sweetest boy. He's just so, so fun. He came up to me and he said, uh, he, I was sitting in my study, and he said, uh, uh, do you prefer Mr. Curley, Dr. Curley, or Bill? How old is he? Twelve. Twelve. That's so sweet. I told him, worshipful Lord and Master. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I said Bill. <laughs> hey, I got to go. I got to go back to work. Oh, is it time? Well, it's time because time I never see it. what I'm going to say. Okay. Okay. In a minute. No theological questions? You got one? I Rob's. What would you order? Okay, how about this one? This one. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gate? Have you heard any new jokes? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be it. That would be what I would like. All right. I'd want him to say, come on in. Come on in. Have a seat. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. So, um, heaven exists. It's here. This is it. Mm -hmm. So, somebody asked about um, language, about talking about God and grace and divine and divinity and that sort of stuff. And um, I don't have an easy answer for that. I. I'm going to say in the sermon, and I said something today about a pivotal period in my life, uh, which actually it was a sea change moment in my life in 1972 to 73 when I went to Harvard to do post a year of postdoctoral study. And uh, I'm this 
Baptist preacher from Texas, small liberal church in Texas. And uh, so I go to Harvard for a year on sabbatical. And um, I, I, I hope this doesn't sound inflated because I don't mean it that way, but I sat in the classroom to hear Dr. Gordon Kaufman, who was the professor who followed Paul Tillich at Harvard. And um, I saw the precision with which he and the other professors at Harvard did language. They were so careful with language. And I tried to do that for a long time. And I still try to be precise with language. But how can you speak of that which cannot really be spoken about? And so I use words sometimes like sacred and divine not to create or to contribute to a sense of dualism that there are separate sacred and divine things, but to simply talk about things that for a moment we're setting apart to talk about and elevating for some special kind of consideration. Um, <clears throat> one of the origin stories that we have in our faith tradition is... Um, uh, God saying to Moses, come take off your shoes because where you're standing is holy ground. Dirt is sacred in that story. Holy dirt, holy ground. Human, humus is humor also. Uh, is that. So I, I, try, I try to be careful with that. And I'm pleased and excited about the path that uh, I and Holly and I are taking about teaching about, um, you know, the, 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 a path illuminated by the teachings and life of Jesus where we're continuing to strive to understand what in the world do we mean when we use any word that talks about grace, God, whatever, and about ourselves, this is profound mystery that we are. And um, all of it, as I'm saying in the benediction in the service today, and if you want to get your dose of religion, come to church, but um, all of this is simple enough that a child can understand. Love, honesty, tell the truth, play fair, don't cheat, freedom for everybody, Everybody, ourselves included. And yet, those are things that our best scholars have not plumbed the depths of yet. We're still working at it. Thanks for doing this with Thank me. Thank you. I enjoyed Let it. Let me off the hook. I might do it again next Sunday. Who knows? Thanks. So no matter where you are, where you are in your spiritual journey, what happens this week, watch your step because you carry precious cargo, and I'll see you here next Sunday.